Hey, thank you. You're looking pretty good yourself. <laughs> On the back of your outline, of course, are the Scripture daily readings for every day. hope you look at those because they're related to the sermon and then some discussion questions that you can have with your husband or your wife around the dinner table one night or with your kids, maybe with a friend that might uh, help you. So, uh, this isn't a trick question. It might sound like it. Are you a good person? Yep. That, was said with, that was said with confidence. You <laughs> Drew, you might want to have a little conversation with her while we're talking. Just elbow her every once in a while while we're talking this morning. So remember, she didn't say she was perfect because there aren't any perfect people allowed here, right? And I hope you all know what we mean by that, that the Pharisees thought they were perfect and looked down on everyone else. And if we think we're perfect, it's probably not going to come across real well to other people. The question is not, are you a good person? You know, I say to people all the time, you are a good person. I say that when I see a good behavior or something good coming out of their mouth. And don't you feel that way sometimes? It's like, you're a good person. The real question is, are we progressing in the right direction? You might just ask yourself, because there are seasons when we go backwards or we, or we stand still. Are you progressing in the right direction? Now, I was, uh, Jim gave me a treat this morning when he said rebuke because I was going to talk about words today. So I asked him for permission to do this. I, didn't, I wouldn't embarrass him. Is, how many of you noticed he said rebook? Okay. Nobody stood up and said, Hey! It's not the way you say that. Sometimes Ginger does that to me. Sometimes I say I instead of me or me instead of I. Sometimes I'll hear people say, Simmonses <laughs> or Jesuses. And I want to correct them. I don't always, but I want to. S most of us are learning the difference between well and good. I used to always say I'm doing good, which it's become part of our common language. I looked this up, actually, because I wanted to prove Ginger wrong. I, I looked it up, and it's acceptable to say I'm doing good, though technically it should be I'm doing well, though you might be doing good. Somebody said, one of my book authors says, the difference between the right word and the best word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. <laughs> Makes a lot of difference. Does, do our words matter? Yes. Me think so. Right? So, so I want to talk about the word good this morning. How do we use the word good? How do we think about the word good? Now, we don't need to turn there because we've all got it memorized now. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23a. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness faithfulness, and self-control. Now, obviously, I haven't gone through those in, in the order that they are in, in uh, our Bible translations, but 
We're talking today about goodness. It's interesting how we might use the word good. I could say, good night, and you might, it might be me saying, you're going to bed, good night, or it might be say, I'm going to bed, good night. It might be, good night, I could say it like, good grief. That's the way the good night was, good night. <laughs> right? Or if you're at a boxing match, if you say good night, it means he's out, right? So we use words in lots of different ways. So notice on your outline, biblically, goodness is defined in terms of character or the kind of person that you are and conduct, how you conduct yourself. If you're keeping in step with the Spirit, your character and conduct will become increasingly better over time. Now, we want to grow. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't want to grow in terms of character and conduct, in terms of goodness. Uh, we want to please the Lord. Uh, we want to experience a quality of life that He wants us to experience. We want to please Him. So let's think about this in four different respects that I'll give you on your outline. The first is God is perfect in character. There's a verse that's very bothersome. Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Does that, that verse bother you? It should. <laughs> uh, it's awe-inspiring on one level because God is good. God is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So the awe-inspiring part is he's perfect. The overwhelming part is I'm not. And he's saying, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, now uh, he is perfect and I'm not doesn't bother me that much. But the fact that it would say he is perfect and I'm being asked to be perfect as my heavenly Father is bothers me some. So here's the bottom line of the sermon. God expects, God is perfect and expects progress from me. Okay? So the word that is used there that's translated perfect is the word teleos, and it means, it means to be finished, complete, mature. Here's, here's how I think about it is, I'm here, and there is perfection. So when he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, we'll come to the conclusion to that is he's asking me to move toward that, the point aimed at as the limit. <coughs> That's the end result. He's there, he has arrived, and I haven't. But the way that this is stated is, that he's asking us to move toward that, to make progress toward that. God is perfect, and he expects progress from me. Now, if you would say to me, if you would say to me, have you ever known somebody who, who acts like they've arrived? Do you like that? I don't either. So when somebody, I have this mirror, it's a two-sided mirror, this side, gosh, I cleaned that off, but 
got all dirty this morning again. So if I say, so, so let's, let's say Victor is acting like he's arrived. <laughs> right? Okay. So if he acts that way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, buddy, you better look in the mirror. But while I'm looking at him in the mirror, I'm looking at me in the mirror, and this side is twice as big as that side. <laughs> I think we ought to carry around a two-sided mirror. Anytime we look at someone else in a critical way, in a, in a harmful way, in a judgmental way, we should probably take another look at ourselves. But you can hold the mirror up to God however you want to, and you're not going to find any imperfection. There is none. He's holy. There are no blemishes. There are no flaws. He never makes a mistake. He never made a poor decision. He's perfect. That's, I mean, conceptually we can think about that, but it's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it, that God is perfect. If you go to, a, you know, I see those commercials of, uh, I don't remember the store, it doesn't matter. This guy goes to Holland every year, or Belgium, to, the, to buy diamonds. And he's always got his, his, his magnifying glass on over here, and he'll look at those diamonds through that. Why is he doing that? He's looking for flaws. You can hold God up to anything you want to. You can scrutinize Him to any, in any way you want to. You're not going to find a flaw. He's perfect. Psalm 99, in three different places, uses a phrase like this. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Talking to God. He is holy. He's whole, complete, perfect. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. He's whole. He's pure. Now, when I say that, you're, you probably didn't say, Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> of course you knew it, but I want you to think about it at a different level. Isaiah, when he came into the presence of the Lord, you remember he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Why was he ruined? Because he saw God's perfection. He saw God's holiness. For I am a man with unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, one of the things that bothers me about myself and it bothers me about other people too is that when, how many times this week did you hear somebody criticize somebody else? So it's like, you know what I want to say, I don't say this because I'm being perfected, but I want to say it doesn't take a genius to find out Something wrong with somebody, does it? And I can follow you around. Gotcha. And it probably won't take very long. 
You can follow me around. Ask Allie. We're, we're together three days a week plus Sunday, and Allie could, Allie could say, you could say, gosh, Stan's perfect, doesn't he? No. You know? <laughs> it's not hard to do gotcha. I can give you a gotcha, you can give me a gotcha, but you can follow Jesus around all you want. You're never going to find a gotcha. Pharisees tried, didn't they? Sabbath day, gotcha. <laughs> but they lost the argument. It's interesting that the word God and good, do we see some similarity there? The German word gut, or the English word God, Good means God. God is good. He's the definition of good. We name God God because He's good. I have a friend who I've known for a number of years. He used to go to Faith Chapel years ago, uh, has visited here a couple of times. Uh, his name's Gordon, and he builds, he builds houses. And in the neighborhood just to the west of, of where Ginger and I live, there. A few years ago, they put a paved road in there, so I take the dog over there walking every morning. And they're building houses. I think it's been three years now they've been building houses. And Gordon has built most of the houses in that neighborhood. There must be 35 or so of them now. So I walk through the neighborhood, and I see a finished house. I see a house that's kind of halfway finished. But I always see Gordon working on a house. And I've noticed, you know, when he, when he finishes, those houses are beautiful. When he starts, it's a piece of ground, and then they come, and the surveyor comes, you know, and they're pretty precise about their measurements, but there's some tolerance for imperfection. And they put in the foundation, and then Gordon comes along, and he puts boards on the top of that foundation. And I've noticed it's always him. It's never one of his crew members. It's always him who puts that board, that first board down on the foundation. I've seen him down there looking at it. I've seen him put a string. He wants it to be perfect. Is it perfect? No. There's some tolerance there. I don't know what it is, maybe a quarter of an inch or half an inch. I don't know what it is, eighth of an inch. But it's not perfect. When I thought about that the other day, I thought about John 14 where it, where it says God's going to, I'm gonna, he said to the disciples, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you so you can be with me. It's going to be perfect. Won't be any room for tolerance. He's going to make it perfect. Now your perfect house is going to be different than my perfect house. Now I'm speculating a little bit here, but you can kind of have fun with that, can't you? The rooms are going to be just the right size. Well, I like bigger rooms than you do. Or smaller rooms than you do. The colors are going to be perfect just for you. Now we don't, you know, we don't think in those terms about heaven, but you get the point. He's perfect, and he does things perfectly. Though sometimes we can't see that. The good wife really wasn't a good wife. If you had a good day, it wasn't a perfect day. I, I, I use a thing when I'm coaching pastors about 
preaching, and I, I call it the perfect sermon. And, and when I introduce it, I say, here's the perfect sermon that I've never preached, and you won't either. But here's kind of a model. I call it the perfect sermon. Well, it's not perfect, but we strive for perfection. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. Say that with me. The Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So we see perfection in Jesus. Hebrews 7.26. Jesus lives forever. He as a permanent priesthood, such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. So that's not revolutionary for me to say that God is perfect in his character or that God is perfect in his conduct. But it's good to think about it, isn't it? He never makes a mistake. He didn't make a mistake with you. Thirdly, in terms of be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, he's not expecting perfection, he's expecting progress. So the question is, am I making progress in my character, who I am? God is perfect, finished, complete, mature. The point aimed at is the limit, I'm not. But here's what he says, Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, there are two or three words there I'd like to talk about, but I won't this morning. But you get the idea. His plan is that we would be conformed to the image of his Son, and his Son was perfect. In other words, that's where he has us headed, making progress. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, do, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, the world shapes you into one thing, but he says, you get to make a decision to be shaped into something else by the renewing of your mind. So here's, you know, no illustration is perfect, but I think this is a pretty good one. So I'm old. You all know that, right? So 1977... Ginger and I and our kids moved to Billings. And you, you know the answer to this question when I ask it. Was I perfect? No. And uh, I could have very easily attested to that, and a number of other people could as well. So let's say I was 25% good. Okay? In other words... If you think I'm bad now, you should have seen me before. Right? Right. So, uh, I think, it w I don't remember for sure, Wally, but it was one or two years into our being here that we met Wally and Mary Anderson. Uh, they started attending our church. And I don't know if we were playing racquetball yet or not, but I found out some way, maybe it was, maybe it was from Mary, that Wally and Mary were trying to decide whether they'd go to Faith Chapel or the Assembly of God Church. So 
So if you know Wally, he's kind of this way about everything. If he's going to buy something, he doesn't just go buy it. He, he checks out that price, the quality, what he wants. You know, all, he goes through all, he's an accountant, so that's, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? So he goes through this process of making the right decision. So I don't remember, of course, my exact thought process when that was going on, but I thought the Assembly of God was a lot bigger than we were at that time, and I was, I was a little insecure about that and intimidated by that. And we wanted to grow and be better, and... And uh, so Wally's, he goes and on Wednesday night he goes and checks out Sam. Sunday morning he comes and checks out me. And then the next week he does the opposite. I don't know how many weeks he did that. But one day he said, what? He said to Mary, I can almost guarantee he said to Mary, well, Stan's not as bad as Sam. <laughs> right? He didn't say, oh gosh, oh gosh, Stan is perfect. No, it was, he's not quite as bad as him. Now, he might not have said the, that way, but you get the point of what I'm saying. The idea is, for you, you might be 25% good, then 50% good, then 75% good. In other words, are you progressing in the right direction? And we always ought to think about ourselves this way. This, these two pastors got in a fight one day, and this pastor was just telling this other one off, just you, 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 you. And the other pastor looked at him and says, you're right. He says, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but you're right. In other words, we're growing. Hopefully, we're moving in the right direction. Now, we think about terms, you've heard terms like justification and sanctification and glorification. Justification means that, that the moment you're born again, that God sees you as perfection. You're holy. You're pure. That's your position in Him. That's why you can go to heaven. If you get saved and die, you're going, you're going to heaven. You don't have to get good enough. He accepts you where you are and then cleanses you by His price on the cross, His bloodshed. Sanctification is different than that. Justification is here. I am just as if I'd never sinned before the Lord, but I'm not perfect. Right? You didn't get perfect when you were saved, but I'm being sanctified. In other words, I'm growing. I'm getting better. I'm My behavior, my conduct, my attitudes... If I'm obedient to the Lord, then I'm moving in the right direction. I'm being sanctified. I'm being purified. Now, if you think about that, that's a project for the Lord, isn't it? Because, you know, it's like, let's imagine that all of this is God's goodness, and I'm here. He can only squeeze so much goodness in there at a time. So over time, more and more goodness, you know, as I respond and I'm obedient to him, then more and more of his goodness gets poured into me. Now, the reason that's important is because when I think about growth as a Christian, I think think it ought to just be grow. I drew this little picture. I don't know how well you can see it, but here's a picture of what I expect, the straight line growth. 
I not only expect that of me, I expect it of you. And I've been disappointed in both. Because growth happens like this. The question is, are we progressing in the right direction? Not that we're perfect, but are we progressing in the right direction? And hopefully if we know each other well enough, we could say, yeah, I think I, think I can see some growth in you. You're not perfect, but I can see some growth. The Pharisees, Uh, would look at people and they, one of the things Jesus said was that, he, that they, put, they put burdens on people that they themselves couldn't fulfill. One of the things he said was, I love this, he said, you're whitewashed tombs. Now think about that. You go to the cemetery and it's all mowed nice and tombs look so nice looks really good but you don't want to think about what's going on underneath there <laughs> really it appears to be good but there's something else altogether different underneath that he said you're like cups who are washed on the outside but you're not you're dirty on the inside you know what that's like you take a cup out of the dishwasher and Ugh, I better let that one run again That's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy, it's hypocrisy to say, I'm good. Because I'm not. And it's really hypocrisy if I pretend to be better than I am. I want to, I'm concerned about appearances. I want you to see me as good. But there's something else altogether happening in here we would all agree that that's not a good thing. If you take the cover off of anybody, you're not going to see all goodness. Why would we be surprised then if we see faults and failures in others and condemn them because we, we have faults and failures as well? The question is not, do you see faults? Gotcha comes easy. But the question is, are we hand in hand, arm in arm, growing together? I'm not going to expect per perfection from you and you're not going to expect perfection from me, but are we progressing in the right direction? The fourth thing there is, am I making progress in my conduct in, in terms of, of what I do? Now, there are lots of lists in the New Testament about behavior. Some of the lists we like better than others. Some of the, some of the things in the list we like better than others but I'm intentionally reading you a fairly long list this morning, so just listen as I read this list. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self. doesn't mean put on like pretend. It literally means put on behavior, put on attitudes. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Speak truthfully. I was with a group a while back and everybody signed 
a non-disclosure agreement. And I heard three people break it before they left the room. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. It assumes that we're going to be angry. That's a natural human emotion, but don't sin in your anger. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Because we're not working just for ourselves. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Only say things that are helpful. Ouch. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So there's probably something in that list that you, you might say, there's for me, I just say, oh gosh, Lord, I, I'm not perfect there yet. Help me. I'm glad for this last statement. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, in Christ, God forgave you. There's the grace and mercy and forgiving part. You're not there yet. You're not perfect. Nobody expects you to be. Are you headed in the right direction? Holiness is not legalism. Let me say that again. Holiness is not legalism. It just isn't. We say that sometimes to let ourselves off the hook, but it's not. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You can make whatever list you want to make, and you're going to come up short. But I love Jesus for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons I love him is because he simplified his expectations. He, he took 900 and some and put them in one. Love God and love people. Just do that. And all those other things are going to be taken care of. I like that. It makes it simpler to me. So all of you remember this. When I, when I was, uh, I think I was probably a sophomore in high school, my mom and dad had always taken me and leaned me back up against the wall and put the little pencil marks on the wall. Any of you do that? So, you know, you, you look and you can see progress all the time. And then, and you know what it's like. I say this to kids here in the church sometimes. You'll see some, some young man or young woman that you haven't seen for a long time. My gosh, you've grown. You might not have seen them for a while. It's just, whoa, seems like they grew a foot. So one day we we're at my uncle's house for Thanksgiving. And my uncle said, oh, Stan, you're getting so tall. He's mostly skinny, but a little tall. And I remember my goal was six foot. Now I wish my goal would have been six three. <laughs> For six foot. So they stood me up against the wall that day, and you, you know the routine. They take you and they put a 
ruler or something, and they make it as flat as possible. And and what am I doing? I'm going. He put a mark on the wall, and then he took a tape measure, six feet. Oh, man, was I happy. Our measure is Jesus. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there in this life, but am I growing? Am I becoming more like Him? Can you see progress in your life? You probably can. Sometimes I get real discouraged with myself, but sometimes I can see progress. I have eight things on the bottom of the outline. I'm going to give you one. And I decided that before I saw the time. I decided this morning when I came. I'm going to do the first one. How can we grow? Be humble. Be humble. Now, humility is a hard thing to wrap your mind around. The Bible says, Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. In other words, you do think of yourself in good ways. That's okay. Just don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So I've got these glasses. I call them love glasses, and you've heard me talk about that before, so I won't bore you with all of that, but one is love God, the other one is love people. But another thing I noticed about these glasses is the magnification on the bottom is more than on the top. So one of the things that, that, that happens is sometimes I start looking through the bottom and what the bottom does is makes things bigger than they are. So if I look through the bottom at my goodness, I can exaggerate. I'm exaggerating. I'm, I'm thinking better of myself than I. It's magnified. <coughs> so I need to get things back in perspective again. Sometimes I look through my glasses and I see the, the bad. It's magnified. Well, I want to get that back in perspective again. To be humble means to see yourself like you are. You're not, you're not too great. You're not too bad. You're not perfect. You're not where you used to be. But you know, I, t I think I told you a few weeks ago about this pastor that I was listening to one day, and he's a fine young man, good preacher. Golly, he can preach. He preached this sermon to, at a convention where I was, and when he finished... I uh, I brought him over and I said, I said, gosh, you, you did a great job. I said, but don't believe all the crap people tell you. They're going to tell you you're wonderful. Don't believe them. He looked at me and said, thank you. If people tell you you're wonderful long enough, you start to believe it. If people tell you you're dumb and stupid and poor and bad long enough, you'll believe it. I'm not that great. It was funny because I, I heard a rumor was going around here when I first came. Oh, that pastor from that big West End church, he's going to come down here and be with us. Big deal. <laughs> I thought, golly. Kind of hurt my feelings. Well, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> Listen to me. 
you're not that great and neither am I. That's humility. Walking together, learning from each other, growing together, that's going to take us in the right direction, moving more and more like Jesus. Just humility. If I, if, if I get proud, I stop learning. If I, get, if I get too down on myself, I stop growing. Think I was bad? You think I'm bad now? You ought to see me before. That's a pretty good motto, isn't it? Lord, this room is full of people who have all kinds of evaluations about themselves and all kinds of evaluations about other people. And Lord, we're so quick to do that. I am, and I, I just ask you to forgive me. And help us, Lord, have compassion and mercy and grace toward each other. Of course people are going to disappoint us. Of course people are going to make mistakes. But Lord, we've disappointed people too. So help us be compassionate. Help us bear one another's burdens. Help us encourage one another. Help us love one another. Help us forgive one another. Lord, this morning, if there's anybody here who hasn't yet given their life to you, I pray that you'd be working in their heart right now. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to say this morning that You've all you've had all had the opportunity where you signed a contract. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody at the bank gave you a contract and they had signed it, and they're asking for your signature. Well, Jesus offers forgiveness, and He's already signed His part of the contract, and His signature was like an X, was the cross. He's He's done His part. The question is, have you signed the contract? Have you agreed? to give your life to Jesus. If you haven't, something's stirring in you right now, I'd like just to invite you to just, while everybody else's heads are bowed, their eyes are closed, that you just lift up your head, lift up your hand, and look at me. You don't need to say anything, but just hold up your hand. I won't embarrass you, I promise. Your hand would be saying, Jesus died on the cross for me, and I'm accepting his forgiveness today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace. Thanks for your patience with us. Thanks that you don't expect perfection, but but that you do help us make progress in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand up and finish with a song here, if we would, please? You are my shepherd, you care for me. You lead me by peaceful streams.
walk through the valley of death. 